The Rebrand Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, and I Hear Everything production. This podcast tells the stories of world-changing marketing campaigns as told by the people who build them. In each episode, you'll hear an earful of brilliance from a marketer who has brought an iconic brand to life. Ready to hear the secrets and untold stories behind the brands you love? Then sit back, relax, and get ready for the rebrand. Here's the host of the Rebrand Podcast, the CEO of OH Partners, Scott Harkey. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, where we tell the untold stories of world-changing brand campaigns as told by the marketers who built them. I'm your host and founder of OH Partners, Scott Harkey. Join us is Emmanuel Prost, who's the global lead brand thought leadership at Ipsos. He's also an adjunct professor at UCLA. Ipsos, which combines uh, the experience and areas of brand communications, advertising, marketing, technology, measure, and amplify how media and brands and consumers uh, connect through the content communication media world. Their research addresses fundamental business issues, often visible at the highest enterprise level. I can tell you that my strategy team always looks at Ipsos when we have a big pitch or we have a, a big problem to solve. They are the leaders in research, no question, which is why when Emmanuel and his folks reached out to us, it was a no-brainer to have them on the show. So we're going to talk a ton about marketing. This is the perfect guest for this show, which we're trying to get better at the art and science of marketing every single day. So again, join us today as Emmanuel. Okay, so we're going to get into Dove's reversed selfie campaign. And Dove, what a great brand to break down with Emmanuel because Dove was the original campaign with the Real Beauty campaign, which which I'm sure we all remember. And in my mind, top five campaign of all time, for sure top 10, but arguably top five. I'm biased because I've got an eight-year-old little girl daughter, Quinn. Shout out to Quinn. And uh, I just love that campaign. So, so much to get into, of course, Dove, Unilever brand. And Unilever is definitely known for amazing marketing. And Dove, you know, one of the top in their portfolio. So let's let's break it down. Let's get into it. Emmanuel's back for the third podcast. Talk to us about Dove and, and why they why they are the premium case studies that we're talking about today. Yeah. Scott, first of thank you for having me back on the show. Really appreciate it. And Dove, a Unilever brand was, is an innovator in brand purpose. That is not only claiming a brand purpose, advertising a brand purpose, but most importantly, demonstrating this purpose. And the campaign we all remember that you are referring to, Scott, is that Project for Real Beauty, whereby Dove wants to show people the way they really are, not just like super skinny models you see in traditional ads, and celebrate this beauty regardless of your ethnic background and of possibly disabilities and various body shapes and body features. And in that regard, it's purposeful and also very relatable because Dove was one of the first brands featuring real people in the ads, right? So other brands have followed suit since, but Dove was a really an innovative brand in that realm. Now, 
The reverse selfie project, I think, is important. It's covered in uh, my book, Assemblage. It's really about preventing teenagers, uh, young girls in particular, to get fooled by social media. And what the reverse selfie project shows in this ad is basically how a girl appears on social media, let's say Instagram, for example, and how the picture has been very heavily retouched, how she wears a lot of makeup and they work on the light and all this. And sadly, you understand by the end of the ad that you will barely recognize the girl from her Instagram post or social media post, I should say, versus what she really looks like in real life. And here the message is to say, well, you're beautiful anyway. And you don't need all the Photoshop. You don't necessarily need all the makeup. You don't need all the lights and the effects and the filters. Celebrate your beauty the way you are. That's one part of the message. The mission, the purpose, it's also to say, well, don't get fooled with social media. Don't stop eating or follow silly diets that are very unhealthy to appear to be someone that you are not anyway. And it's this call for authenticity that is so important. It's healthy. It's important for the society we live in. And I believe that Dove is playing an important part in educating young ladies and young consumers here. Freaking bravo, Dove. This is gutsy stuff to take to take a stand and, and play a role in things that are going on in society that everybody knows, but no one said it. No one had the guts or the credibility that Dove has to and again, I love the word. You're, you're very intentional with your words when you say they demonstrate. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I even had like an accent. They, they, they demonstrated and they have for years, they've demonstrated that they give a crap and that they're consistent on this and that they actually care about human beings. They actually care about women and how they can play a role in their lives and be a voice of reason in society. Most brands can't do that. They screw it up. Gillette is, on the other hand, a brand of that screws it up, right? If you look at their Super Bowl ad like three years ago, where they tried to take tell men to like grow up and you can do better, which was pretty hypocritical coming from Gillette. Remember the, the Gillette, the best a man can get, which was you know pretty misogynistic in terms of normal advertising. And back there, they have a history of that. So. It's amazing when a brand has the authority and they've demonstrated that they care and they're consistent and then they can do amazing work. Or on the other hand, other brands that don't really care and are BSing themselves and convincing themselves that they can take a stand or they can play a role, they really can't. And then on top of that, the messaging's wrong. So what a what a great spot for a brand to be in when they can, and I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but the great brands make you feel something unexplainable. And it is very hard to do, but when it's done, it's just magnificent. It is, it's like, it's like a Warhol piece of art where it's just timeless and it's, it's amazing. Or some of the stuff that that's why Banksy's art is so amazing because it's, it stops you in your track. It makes you feel something that's unexplainable inside. And so that's, I think what you're talking about. And what I love is your book helps take this process in which you can do this with your own brand. I know there's brand marketers out there who 
want to do something amazing and that have people's attention internally to do a campaign to, to structure the company in a way that can really play a role in people's lives. And the beauty is if you do that right, then your company's more valuable. We, we are moving out, in my opinion, we're moving out of this sales force economy and moving into a belief economy. And so what you're talking about is how you're, you know, how you're consistent and how you demonstrate as a brand reasons to believe. I think that's what, I think that's what you've been saying for three days of these podcasts, but, you know, maybe elaborate on that a little bit. And am I wrong? Kind of what I'm saying? Do you agree? And maybe elaborate because you always do. And I'm like, oh yeah, I don't know that. I think that's what I think I mean. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Well, let's reflect on what you said, Scott. First, I do believe in being. Okay. <laughs> I do believe, and that's really the point of, of my latest book, Assemblage, The Art and Science of Brand Transformation. That is, brands can no longer just sell products. They must transform people and the world they live in. In other words, as an outcome of using your product, as an outcome of using your brand, I need to feel like a better person. I need to transform from who am I, who I am, into who do I want to become. That's what a transformative brand does. Now, reflecting on what you said about Gillette, for example, and in a way, another brand that comes to mind is uh, Victoria's Secret. The second concept that is so important is brands are dynamic. Brands are no longer static, meaning brands evolve with culture constantly at a very fast pace because of the co-creation process brands engage Mm -hmm. in with their audience. So as we discussed yesterday and the day before, marketers no longer dictate the brand narrative. They co-create the brand narrative with consumers. In that process, they have to accept that not only culture and society in general, but the territory for the brand is going to evolve and is going to evolve pretty fast. So back to Gillette, when you said Gillette is the best a man can get, was an excellent tagline a few years ago. Of course, it is a, a, how do I put it nicely? Uh, (laughs) Not as good of a fit for the society we live in today. And it's the same thing. Think of Victoria's Secret. Victoria's Secret advertised for years towards men, by the way. There is this assumption that Victoria's Secret markets to women. They don't. Uh, Victoria's Secret leverage Victoria's Angels to advertise to men so that they send their girlfriend or wife to the store so that they look like the Victoria's Angel. And that was very powerful for them for a number of years. Another brand that comes to mind is Abercrombie & Fitch. When Abercrombie Mm -hmm. & Fitch started, it was okay to have male models in the store and the music pumping and the staff wearing flip-flops and all that. It did not age well, for lack of a better expression. <laughs> Therefore, the brand yes. evolved into a different shopping experience and different territory that works for them. Sometimes when brands don't evolve, they can literally die. One brand that comes to mind is American Apple. American Apple that was based in Los Angeles was very successful at some point, And it's now only an online operation. They sold the brand for a few million dollars, something dismal. Why? Because the nature of the advertisement and the message was disrespectful at best, questionable from an ethical and I would even say a legal standpoint even. And 
you just can no longer sell clothes that way. So there were elements of the brands that were powerful, for example, made in Los Angeles, right? That is something that consumers seek, something that's made in the United States that is made at home. And then you had other elements of the brands that just are an absolute no-no in the society we live in, starting with featuring seemingly underage models in advertisement, right? And this idea, that's what an assemblage is about. That's why the name of the book is Assemblage, meaning your brand constantly evolves, is dynamic. Your process is to co-create the brand with your audience. And an assemblage is about, I'm going to keep what is core to my brand identity and what endures the test of time. And I'm going to evolve everything else. That's what Abercrombie and Fitch did. That's what American Apparel did not do. That is why Abercrombie and Fitch is... Uh, reasonably successful as of today, and American Apparel is no longer in business. Yeah, I love the examples that you gave. Another recent example, Kanye West, obviously, right? I mean, if we were still in a finance economy, then Jeezy's would still be you know, worth money, but we're in a belief of economy, and the belief was gone for obvious reasons. So I, I think those are great points. And I think I think about the speed at which this is happening now and how you have to, as a brand, be so head on a swivel in terms of of proactively reactive, right? Proactively understanding where your audience is going aspirationally and letting them have a voice in terms of taking them with you and which is your whole point, right? Is the co-creation process is I think what I continue to hear, which is it's different than we're used to. And our marketing plans can be outdated very quickly. And the process in which you solicit feedback and co-creation with it, with a large global audience or imagine a startup of, of really not even having an audience yet, but you've got to be willing to pivot so quickly. That's a scary and hard, but also it sounds like major rewards for the people that can do it. Kanye West is another great example of a brand that had initially a strong creative capability. I personally don't listen to his music. I don't really know his art. It's, however, very clear that he was prolific artist, very, very successful artist. And I trust had excellent ideas, not just for music, but for arts and for clothing in, in general. So the core elements of his brand were strong. Obviously, where he went very wrong is most recently with some his positioning and, and in particular his uh, opinions on politics and societies. I was going to say, are hurting his personal brand? I should say I'm not quite sure he's going to recover, right? Now, uh, with all due respect for Kanye West, because I think he also has some health challenges. That's my understanding. I mean, I'm, yes. I'm not a medical doctor. And if I was, I certainly would not discuss this. So with all due respect for the individual, but from a, a marketing standpoint, it's going to be very, very hard for him to to recover. It's going to take a lot of time. I would agree. And to your point too, you know, hopefully he does get help. And that is hard to see. But again, back to 
your book. Uh, I can't wait to order this book. I think I may make my staff read this book, our, our agency uh, back in Phoenix and Vegas, OH Partners. And our sister agencies, of course, and a group of agencies, Nomadic and Adder Films, and even some of our clients, we got some great CMOs. I think this book, I'm, I'm definitely going to be an advocate. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and really elevating our game and how we're thinking about it. Again, my, at times, my pet peeve is when marketing people, me included at times, have these PowerPoint presentations talking about brands and it can come off very head in the clouds, kind of like we need to matter more and we need to play a role in the world. And here's great brands that do it. It's Apple and it's Starbucks. And people just look at us like, come on, bro. Like this isn't real world stuff. But I think the way in which you've dissected audiences and dissected beliefs and really broke down this co-creation process, I think it takes what we believe with our hearts as marketers and as human beings into strategic and tactical assignments and ways in which we can bring real strategy from a place that we know is going to connect with human beings. And I love that you even call it the art and science, which I couldn't agree more with. So, uh, you know, like normal of our three episodes, I kind of go off on a tangent at the end and hopefully it means something to somebody out there. I think it does. And I know there's marketers out there who have heard this and go, you know what? Jeff needs to hear this. You know what? My friend, I'm making up a name, I guess, Mary needs to hear this. Or there's people at companies struggling to get board members or to get people on their vision quest for uh, really mattering to human beings in the world. And uh, this can be a great way to get your, your mind right. And then we've, we've also got Emmanuel's book that's right on the way right after that. I'm going to wrap up our last episode of The Rebrand with Emmanuel. Thank you. Manager of the Global Lead, Brand Thought Leadership at Ipsos, adjunct professor at UCLA. If you'd like to hear more about Emmanuel, you'll find a link to his LinkedIn profile in the show notes. You'll also find him on Twitter, handles Emmanuel, P-R-O-B-S-T. Or you can visit the company website at uh, ipsos.com backslash E-N dash U-S. Just one link to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to the podcast, head over to rebrandpod.com. We'll have summaries of all our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to that newsletter. You know you can. Or if you want to talk about the most impactful marketing campaign you've been a part of or you've wanted to be, apply to be a guest on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handles at rebrandpod on all the stuff, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can contact me directly. I'm on that Twitter right now. It's crazy in Twitter right now. So buckle up. But I'm on Twitter. It's SharkyAZ. You can also find me on all the good stuff. I'm even on damn TikTok. It's Scott Harkey. I'm not the financial Scott Harkey in Charlotte, but he's killing it too. Shout out to that Scott Harkey. But uh, I'm on uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, all the good stuff. Always reach out, especially if you're a marketer. I'd love it. If you haven't subscribed yet and you want to daily stream of campaign brilliance in your podcast space. We'll publish that episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button, your podcast app, and we'll be right back in your feed the next business day. I love when I get the podcast, it sets me a little alert on my phone. I'm like, all right, here's another episode. Let's go. Let's let's see how stupid I sounded more how good I sounded. Who knows? But it's cool to have it there. Uh, I have all my favorite podcasts I do that with and it just hits me up and uh, it's kind of how I continue to learn. But that's it for today. Remember next time, it's never too late to rebuild, reboot, or rebrand. 